Hey there, thank you for tuning in to the This Southern Girl Can Show, the podcast that covers it all with a sweet Southern accent. Your host, Amber, is a successful YouTuber and published author who teaches others to craft, cook, run a business, and balance a hectic lifestyle. Check her out on Facebook, YouTube, and all other forms of social media under the same name as this podcast, This Southern Girl Can. You can also check out her website at www.thissoutherngirlcan.com. And now, here's Amber. Hey, y'all. It is Wit and Wisdom Wednesday. And on those days, I just kind of talk just about stuff, life in general, funny stuff, serious stuff, crafts, whatever I'm reading. Um, y'all know I'm a voracious reader. Oh, my gosh. Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble gets so much of my money. And I posted on Facebook a while back how my bank account hates me whenever I go to Barnes & Noble. And someone's like, well, you need a library card. Okay, I've had a library card since I was a kid. I love libraries. When you walk in, that smell. I love the smell. When I go into used bookstores, old bookstores, when that smell hits you, oh my gosh, it's like you just, I can't. It's funny. I mean, there has got to be other people out there like me, but it's like when you go into an old bookstore and that smell hits you, it's almost like you're drunk, you know? You're like... Yeah, it's like it's like you're drunk. It's like you can hardly walk. It's like my legs don't want to work. Just that smell. I love it. It is intoxicating. It makes my heart happy. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, there are not too many old bookstores in my immediate area, so I do have to travel a bit to get to some. But Barnes & Noble gets so much of my money. So, so much of my money. And I have a bag because I, I like to take my little canvas bag. And yes, I bought the canvas bag at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> I take my canvas bag and um, that's what I put my books in when I leave the store. And I think I've got nine, eight or nine books over there right now that I haven't read. But I tear through books. I have books all over the house. I mean, bookcase upon bookcase. They're, they're everywhere, okay? Medical books, of course. I have tons of medical books. Um, and then I have the fiction and, you know, nonfiction and everything is organized according to theme is this nonfiction. Then, you know, I have my, my organizing system here. <laughs> if somebody saw it, they're like, wow, are you nuts or what? And used to, I didn't really read a whole lot of fiction. Now I have a deep love of Stephen King and Anne Rice, and they were probably the only fiction books that I read for a very, very long time. As far as nonfiction, I loved Anne Rule, um, you know, the crime books. But anyway, over the past few years, I have really started reading more fiction. And if you're on TikTok, and I'm going to call this book talk, you can get on there. There are tons of people with their recommendations for books. And I do pay attention because I love to hear what other people think about books. I want to know why you like it, why you don't like it. Did somebody give it to you? Why did you buy that book? What made you want to pick up that book? Had you heard about it before? You know, I love hearing people's stories about books. Books are such an important part of my life. That's, and here's another weird thing about me. It's like if someone is in my house and somebody's getting close to my books and wants to touch my books, my anxiety levels go through the roof. They absolutely go through the roof. I can't, panic sets in it's almost like I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack when someone is, is just near my books I'm like just don't touch 
the books. They bring me a, a lot of comfort. And I've moved, actually due to life circumstances, I've moved several times over the past few years. And those are usually the first things that I unpack. If I'm surrounded by my books, I'm calm and they're comforting. I have to have them. But one of the latest ones that I had read are, are is, oh my goodness, Amber, I read books. <laughs> I just said are. The latest one that I read, Where the Crawdads Sing. And I had heard about it. Of course, being in North Carolina, I should have heard about it. Had been hearing so much about it and I just never had the time to pick it up. Of course, there's the movie. Yeah, we all know there's the movie. But I'm the type of person who likes to read the book first. Because usually, movies do not do the book justice. So, I was reading Where the Crawdads Sing. And when I finished the book, I don't know, it's like I just sat there. I'm like, I'm sitting here battling emotional trauma at the hands of a paperback. And the whole world is just going on like nothing's happening. I mean, have you ever read a book like that? Have you ever read a book? And it was just good and it sucked you into it. And then at the end, you're like, just wow. I mean, the, the ending of this book wasn't, it wasn't earth shattering or anything, but it was like, I got sucked into it. And I, I just, I want to call her the Marsh girl. And you know, I just, I just felt so bad for her, but I was so proud of her. And it, it struck a chord with me. If you've read it, there's this one line and it hit me so hard because I myself did not have a good mother at all growing up. I still do not have a good mother. I've not spoken to my mother in almost 13 years. Uh, and that's fine with me. And I don't want to hear people complaining about that because you, you don't know her. Okay. You don't know how toxic this woman is. So I separated myself from that. And reading about this girl and just how toxic her home life was I'm like you know I can relate and I just I related so much to her and then when everybody had left or when everybody had abandoned her that that line that said and the marsh became her mother you know she found solitude to not be a bad thing she actually found it to be a comforting thing within the marsh and the you know the birds and the creatures that she would find in the shells and the feathers and the rocks and nature, that became her mother. It nurtured her and it made her a darn good living and, you know, made her, made her popular in the book. But, um, and then at the, at the end, I was like, it, like I said, it wasn't a, an earth shattering or groundbreaking end or anything, but it was just one of those books where you sit there and you're like, wow, <laughs> just wow. But, um, another book that I just recently read, and I'm gonna give you fair warning before you read this book. There's a lot of people out there that are gonna be squeamish and you know are not comfortable with very intense topics like this book, but I read all sorts of books, okay? Everyone out there is, you know, they have their business life and then they have their personal life. And I think my business life and my personal life sometimes can be too they're at such extremes, you know, I <laughs> have people, you know, that, that know me and all of them are like, oh, well, I didn't know that you were like that. Well, you know, we, we're all like that. All of us are like that. But anyway, this book that I'm talking about is called Tender is the Flesh. And if you've read it, then you know, but it puts such a perspective on, I don't want to say life, but how life could be in the blink of an eye 
how things could be. And it just really gives you a different perspective. So if you've not read that book, I'm not really going to go in depth with that book. But the ending of that book made me mad and I, I flung the thing. It, it made me mad. It made me so mad. Made me so, so mad. But the book was intense. It was thought provoking. Um, dare I say, I thought it was good. Now, the lady that, that wrote it, I believe she's Spanish. I would have to look that up because I might be misquoting myself. She's Argentinian. Okay, I just I just had to look it up on my iPad here. Argentinian. It was yeah. It was originally published in Spanish in 2017, and then translated by Sarah Moses into English in 2020. Basically, what the story is about is there's this virus that has contaminated 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 all animal meat. Okay, it has contaminated the animal meat. So if all the animal meat is contaminated, what other meat is there out there to consume? Yeah. So anyway, sort of like this uh, dystopian type novel, okay, if you're into that kind of thing. But that's all that I'll say about that one. But the next book, the next book I'm going to talk about is talking about the Radium Girls. Now, this one here is, is really, really interesting if you're into... You know, like nonfiction, if you want something that talks about, and I, I like to call it dark history because, you know, dark history is things that people try to cover up, okay? So, radium. So, radium, we know it's a radioactive element, okay? And around the turn of the 20th century, when scientists made the discovery about radium, it's, it's, and it's an element that is in uranium, okay? It could be used against cancerous tumors, diseased tissues, and then everyone saw it as like this miracle cure, right? And that's how they were, they were marketing it to the public. And health items, uh, face powders, you know, beauty stuff, things like that, started putting in radium and then advertising it as like their special ingredient. Now, when they ran out of tangible products like that to sell with radium in it, they came up with this bottle, okay? It was like this glass jar type deal, but it had a radium-infused lining on the inside. And what they were telling people to do was you buy this jar and then you can fill it up with whatever water you have. Tap water, you know what I'm saying. You can fill it up with water and then you let it sit and it would infuse your water with radium. And they were telling people, they were telling people to drink this stuff like, like up to seven glasses a day, five to seven glasses, I believe, is what they were telling people to drink. So people were ingesting this, okay? So then they moved on and they discovered that radium could glow in the dark and they put it in paint. So they started making this paint and they would put it on watches, you know, the, on the hands and on the dials of the watches so that you could see it at nighttime. Um, this, this was the big thing, okay, of these glow-in-the-dark watches. Um, Marie Curie, I'm sure we've all heard of Marie Curie, um, discovered the radioactive isotopes in radium. This was back in 1890-something. And there's different isotopes, you know, depending upon the number of neutrons that it's made out of, right? So the most stable one, the most stable one had a half-life of 1,600 years. 1,600 years! I mean, it would take 1,600 years! I just can't get over that. For it, it, its properties, its radioactive properties, you know, to degenerate, you know, down to um, have its strength. 
So it's not like these people were using these items and then you could flush it out of your body. Because once you started, you know, absorbing this stuff, it was still emitting all of this radioactive junk <laughs> into their bodies. And who's going to live 1,600 years, you know, to wait for it to die down halfway? But anyway, in, in the factories, and there were different factories. There were um, three factories where these incidents that I'm getting ready to talk about where they occurred. There was in uh, Jersey, Illinois, and Connecticut. And this was in the early 20s, um, one was like in 1917. And they were telling all of these women that were painting these watch faces, they were telling them that that was harmless, okay? Oh, it's in beauty products. And, you know, you can drink this, this radium water and it's fine and it's harmless. So with the paintbrushes that they were using on the watch dials and on the watch hands, they were telling them to point their brushes. Now, you know, you can take a wet cloth and you know how you drag it down your paintbrush to put all the bristles like really compactly at the end? That way you get a really fine line. Well, they were telling these girls, look, it's taken too many materials and too much time for you to try to do that with a cloth. Just use your mouth. So they were putting their brushes in their mouth to get that fine point on them. Yeah. And then they were having fun with it. They thought, you know, oh, let's paint our fingernails. And they were putting it on their face like makeup and rubbing it on their teeth because they were telling them that it's harmless. And, you know, if you have a substance that glows in the dark and is harmless, you know, people are going to play with it. They're going to have fun with it. But then, you know, they started to, uh, not trying to, you know, tell you all about everything in the book. But anyway, they started developing all of these health problems. All of these health problems. And it's, oh my goodness. And it just... It just went through so much of these women, you know, trying to get justice for these people telling them that everything is fine and it really was not fine. And all of the, the trials and the tribulations that these women had to go through because, I mean, radiation sickness. Hello? <laughs> I mean, it, it was just crazy. And it was such a good book. And uh, yeah, The Radium Girls. I'm trying to sit here and think about any other books I've been reading lately. Um, of course, okay. New Hocus Pocus movie. No, no, the new Hocus Pocus movies coming out, but they have the book. They have the book, and you can get it on Amazon. Um, look down in the wherever you're viewing this, wherever you look to see links. If you're watch, uh, listening to this on my RSS feed, you can just look down below, and there will should be some clickable links. Um, I don't know how it shows up on Spotify, Apple, Amazon. I don't know how it shows up on everything else. Um, but wherever you can see the description of this particular episode, just look down there and I'll try to put some links for you. But the, uh, Hocus Pocus movie, yeah, it's in a book and it has the original Hocus Pocus story and then it has the sequel, you know, in the same book. So I've got that one partway through that. That's sitting over here and what's the other one? Oh, the Pumpkin Queen, which picks up, you know, the Nightmare Before Christmas. It sort of picks up after the end of Oogie Boogie. And uh, basically, Sally is now the queen of Halloween Town. And uh, there's just a, a new round of bad things that she has to try to get through. So, I mean, that should be pretty much self-explanatory. You know, you can get on Amazon and read the reviews for that. But I had a good time uh, just now talking about books. I can talk about books all day long. But I'm running at about 16 minutes here. That's enough of hearing me talk about books. <laughs> Maybe I'll do this again in another episode. Um, once I get another handful read, I will talk about them, tell you what I think. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you would, please go back and listen to some of my past episodes. Stay tuned for future episodes. And I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. You've been listening to the This Southern Girl Can Show. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow so you'll be notified of upcoming episodes. Take care, and we'll see you next time.